Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. Awesome. Yeah. Just really quick, I just wanted to um, say something because I know we're running late. Um, I'm sure that most of you saw, if you're on any type of social media at all, you probably saw that there was a, uh, you know, the, the guy that sang the song, I'm going to take my horse to the old town. Okay, that guy. He just came out with a pair of shoes, and they're actually called Satan shoes. And he decided that he wanted to um, make this video, and it's absolutely disgusting, um, about these Satan shoes. And it has Luke 10:18 on the shoe. It has the pentagram on it. There's supposedly a drop of human blood in each shoe. All of this really disgusting th- stuff that, that the world is actually celebrating. They think this is so cool that he did this. But Dr. Seuss is really bad for our our community. But anyway, but I wanted to share something with us today to encourage us, to remind us that when we see things like this, this is a a weak attempt at the enemy trying to influence. It's weak. You know why? Because let's read what Luke 18 actually says. Or Luke, I'm sorry, Luke 10. And I'm going to start in verse 17. When the 70 missionaries returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we were commanding them to come out in your name. And Jesus said, well, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now, you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you and you will overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you and you will walk in this authority. Amen. And it goes on to say, and this is something that we should celebrate about, but what we really should celebrate about is that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Isn't that good news? That it doesn't matter that this, this scripture that was, that was on these Satan shoes is really a testimony of our authority that we get to trample on the enemy when he does these crazy things. Amen. I just wanted to encourage us that it is our responsibility as believers to walk in that authority, to not shrink back but that we declare the goodness of God through through our words in love. We want to be the light to the world. Amen. Amen. All right. Kiddos, I think that we've got, well, I think all the kids are gone, so never mind. They already did what they were supposed to do. Amen. Father, we, we just ask for your anointing on this time as we open our spirits to hear your word today. And we thank you, God, for the fruit that will come of it. We thank you so much for the authority that you've given us because of the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, that we have ears to hear and that we will not only hear the word of God, but we will be doers of that word. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We had an amazing time yesterday. I've already mentioned being at Overflow Church. It was a good time to be there and hang out with some friends and new ministry connections. And uh, so it was just a wonderful time. We've had tons of presence already, tons of word this morning. Can you handle a little more? All right. All right. I appreciate that. I had a couple that caught on real quick, and the rest of you had a little peer pressure and said, okay, yeah, that's good. (laughs) I I, I don't want to stay long because we have already um, had a lot, but I do feel like I have something to share with you guys today. So um, you can open your Bibles in a moment. I'll get to John 12. It'll take us just a minute to get there maybe, but um, John 12. You know, I am one of those preachers that um, when I first started, I did a lot of thematic messages like on days that, you know, where there was a theme, uh, you know, I try to figure out a reason to preach about Valentine's Day. You got to preach about love, you know, just just different themes. And um, as I got a little older, I realized, you know, I don't really have that many thematic messages. However, I do want to say every year on Palm Sunday, the Lord takes me on a journey regarding the triumphal entry and what happened leading up to crucifixion. 
And I feel like that he has really given me just some, some revelation around that. And so I want to share some of that with you guys today. Is that okay if we do that? Okay. I, uh, I'm going to get to, like I said, John 12 eventually, but we're going to kind of take a, a moment just to talk about some interesting things that I learned about palm trees. Palm trees are really cool, right? When I think of palm trees, I think of Florida. I think of tropical climates. I think of, you know, places where the weather is great and work is not on my mind and I'm relaxing and hanging out, right? Isn't that what we think about when it comes to palm trees? What's really interesting to note, though, is that there are, there are many different species of palm trees, and it's a misconception to think that palm trees can only grow in tropical climates. I didn't realize that. As a matter of fact, there are certain kinds of palm trees that can actually survive the winter of Siberia. In other words, palm trees can grow in places where they're not supposed to grow. A palm tree does not have to always be in a climate where the sun is shining in order to flourish. But if the makeup is right and the root structure is correct, then it doesn't matter what the weather is like, a palm tree can thrive and grow. Did anybody else know that? I didn't either until I studied it several years ago. Here's, here's some more stuff. Palm trees are dated by their scars. You can tell how old a palm tree is by looking at its scars. You can also tell the strength of the tree by its scars. The scars would be noted by the rings that go down the palm trees. Here's another interesting fact. The palm tree buds from the top and it produces leaves and when they grow to a certain time, they fall off and new leaves sprout from the top. In other words, the palm tree only produces fruit and leaves from the place of maturity, from the top. The more scars a tree has, the more it has progressed. This is one of the, the, the coolest things. You seldom see a palm tree toppled, yet they live in the most adverse conditions. They live where hurricanes happen. They, they live uh, depending on the root structure and the makeup, but you seldom see them toppled. I think it's interesting that the psalmist said in Psalm 92:12, and, and 92:12 is, is, is really cool, but I'm going to read uh, 12 through 15 because it's just amazing. Yes, look how you've made all your devoted lovers to flourish like palm trees. Each one growing in victory, standing with strength. You've transplanted them into your heavenly courtyard where they are thriving before you. For in your presence, they will still overflow and be anointed. Even in their old age, they will stay fresh, bearing luscious fruit and abiding faithfully. Listen to them. With pleasure, they still proclaim, you're so good. You're my beautiful strength. You've never made a mistake with me. Isn't that good? That is good scripture. That's good truth for you and I that we flourish like palm trees. And then all of that other amazing stuff that he tells us. Here's something I want to tell you. Did you know that scars have stories? Scars have stories. They speak of things that created the scar. They speak of stretching. They speak of cutting. They speak of wounds. They, they speak of so many things. But here's the other interesting thing. Scars create belief systems. I want you to think about that. Scars create belief systems. In other words, when I have a scar, I begin to believe certain things about the result that took place that produced that scar. Prime example, you've heard me say I had numerous ear surgeries as a child, right? Every time I feel any kind of pain in my ear, I immediately begin to wonder, has the tumor come back or is there another hole in my eardrum? Because it created a belief system 
that I could have issues with my ears perpetually. He that hath an ear, let him hear. You, you understand what I'm saying? Scars create belief systems. We begin to believe certain things about the ideas and the things that caused us to have that scar. It produces something in us. We have to be very, very intentional that we do not renew our minds only from the place of past experience. Can y'all hear that? What renews your mind cannot be the result of what happened that created the scar. Right? We cannot just renew our mind from the place of hurt. We can't just renew our mind from the place of, of, of um, uh, whatever it was that created that void in us. Whatever it was that created that scar, that cannot be what we meditate on, that, that we renew our mind on. Because if those past experiences do not testify of the involvement of Jesus and his provision then it cannot be a substantial source of renewal. Are y'all okay? I cannot renew my mind with past experiences that are void of the presence of Jesus in that moment. In other words, if I look at my past, I've said this before, if I look at my past outside of the blood of Jesus and redemption, I'm actually visiting a lie because what he does is his blood restores and renews everything. When I become a new creature, then all things have passed away and all things become new. So I cannot go back and look at experiences and say, this has created a belief system in me if it is void of the redemption and the redemptive power of Jesus. Because what happens is if I allow that belief system to be created void of the redemption of Jesus, I begin to expect things to happen void of the redemption of Jesus. And that in turn removes hope from the situation. And we know that hope has a name and his name is Yeshua the Christ. So I can't look at my past aside from the blood of Jesus. And I sure don't want to look at my future aside from the blood of Jesus. When I live from the place of the renewed mind, I'm living from the place of seeing Jesus for who he really is. It's, it's, it's one of the things that's really difficult when I'm talking to people and, and they've gone through super traumatic experiences or, or, or you know, they, they've, they've had things that have pr produced legitimate scars and it's, 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 it's really affected them. It, it's, it's really difficult sometimes to, to um, explain that you do not have to continue on the path that you're on just based on behavior that happened in your family or happened you know in your life because if you see Jesus correctly it actually gives you the ability to navigate around what it is that has hindered you and kept you from moving forward. Yeah. And, and if I only live my life based on previous behavior, then I'm doomed to see that cycle one more time. I, I, I got to take another lap around the wilderness. Is anybody tired of walking around the same thing over and over and over again? The key to that is seeing hope and seeing Jesus redeeming that situation in my past and in my future. Which brings us, of course, to Palm Sunday, right? <laughs> Makes so much sense. It will. Palm Sunday's really interesting. I would rather preach about Palm Saturday. According to scripture, Palm Saturday was really cool because Jesus was in Bethany and he was being anointed with an alabaster box of oil, fragrant oil, that cost a whole lot of money. And he was hanging out in Lazarus's house. 
the triumphal entry actually started in Bethany. There's a lot that goes into this because the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees were always seeking Jesus. They get a bad rap sometimes because we don't talk about the fact that they were seeking Jesus. They were always seeking Jesus. The issue was they were always seeking to prove Jesus wrong. They were always seeking to be critical. Listen, this is a side note. It matters the way that you seek him. If you're seeking him to, to prove in this situation, if you'll do this for me, then I'll know you're good then your motive, you, you, you've missed the boat. And they were always seeking him to prove him wrong. So Mary anoints Jesus. He's hanging out with Lazarus. And there's a really interesting scripture that jumps out at me in John chapter 12, verse 9 through 11. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there. It's capital H, so talking about Jesus. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they may also see Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. But the chief priests plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Religion will always attempt to kill what Jesus has raised to life. Religion will always attempt to kill what Jesus has raised to life. And so they were seeking him and they wanted to kill Jesus, but they also wanted to kill the evangelist named Lazarus. And you know, we never get a scripture that says Lazarus preached a message, but it's pretty emphatic when he was in a tomb for four days and now he's up walking around. Right. Holy ghost. The enemy... Oh, listen to this. The enemy will manipulate and misrepresent what Jesus has done in your life in order to keep you quiet. He will manipulate and misrepresent the scars that are in our lives that we can show other people. He will manipulate that. He will misrepresent it. He will make you think about times where Jesus wasn't around, which is not true because he's always lying. But he will manipulate and misrepresent what Jesus did in your life in order to keep you quiet because the enemy knows that your scars are telling a story. The enemy knows that what you have endured and what you have had to go through is telling a story. Here's what I want to tell you. I know that some of you have been through hell and high water. I know that some of you have been through some of the most traumatic situations that anyone should ever have to deal with. How do I know that? Because I've walked with some of you through some of those things that you're doing. But here's when I tell, what I want to tell you. There is a reason that you are still sitting here today. There is a reason that the scar that is on the inside of you maybe or on the outside of you is visible because it's telling a story. The question is what belief system will that scar have? Hmm. He's on the triumphal entry. I don't have time today to talk to you about the significance of the waving of the palm branches and the fact that they, they, they cut them off. Palm branches are, are supposed to fall off. They're not really supposed to be cut off because when they cut off, they have no ability to produce fruit. But it produces fruit all the way up until it falls off. I, I, I don't want to go super deep into that. But it's amazing to me that on Sunday... They're waving palm branches, they're taking off their jackets and their clothes, and they're laying them down, and the king is riding lowly on a donkey, fulfilling every Old Testament prophecy. Every time the donkey would lift its foot, it was fulfilling a prophecy from the Old Testament that he really was the Messiah. And, and, and so they're, they're, they're worshiping him, Hosanna, 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 blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then we get to a week later. And there's a fellow by the name of Barabbas. This is what's interesting to me. Do you know what Barabbas' name means? Son of Abba. His name means son of Abba. In the Aramaic, son of the father. Barabbas was a revolutionary who had caused a rebellion. He was a murderer 
that was attempting to overthrow the Roman government. He was fighting for a cause. He embodied the ones of the Jews who wanted freedom from Rome. In other words, Barabbas was a picture of freedom. The issue was Barabbas was a counterfeit. He was a fake. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Somehow in a week's time turns into crucify him and give us Barabbas. Why? Because scars produce belief systems. They could, you, you've heard me talk about this a lot, right? We, we, we've, I mean, I've probably talked about this more in the last few months than, than I ever have. It was three years, three and a half years, death, burial, resurrection, 40 days after resurrection until they actually realized that the kingdom Jesus was talking about was not political, but it was spiritual. Right? And their thought was, he's coming to save us from the oppression of Rome. The issue was that Barabbas was a counterfeit. When they thought that he was marching to Rome to overtake them, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When it didn't fit their narrative, it becomes give us Barabbas and crucify him. Are y'all okay? Am I boring you? Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. Barabbas, listen to this, he represented the pursuit of temporary relief from the oppression of a governmental and cultural system that the Jews could not see past. Barabbas represented a temporary relief from a governmental and cultural system, not only that the Jews couldn't see past, but that the Jews were really supposed to affect and adjust for the kingdom of God. Can y'all hear what I'm saying? Let's look at an interesting uh, scripture. Verses 28 and 30 out of John 12. This is Jesus. So, Father, bring glory to your name. Then suddenly a booming voice was heard from the sky. I have glorified my name, and I will glorify it through you again. The audible voice of God startled the crowd standing nearby. Some thought it was only thunder, yet others said an angel just spoke to him. Then Jesus told them, the voice you heard was not for my benefit, but for yours to help you believe. Okay, if I... Palm Sunday, scars. Let me just take a side road for a moment, okay? Are you good? You were created to hear the voice of God. Say that. Say, I was created to hear the voice of God. I was created to hear the voice of God. That is also a belief system that needs to bear fruit in your life. I was created to hear the voice of God. Listen to this. You were not only created to hear the voice of God, but to be led by the voice of God. Your ability to see Jesus rightly determines how you hear his voice. What's the point? Every person that was around him heard something. They heard an audible voice, and some of them said it sounded like thunder, and some of them said it sounded like an angel talking. But everyone around heard something. The belief systems that are created in your life and the way that you see Jesus determines what you'll hear. You will hear something. But the way you discern what you heard is connected to the belief system that you have as well as what the dominant voice is in your life. Let me say it this way. Some of them heard the manifestation of a storm. Mm, Wow. That's what spoke to them. It sounded like thunder. 
It sounded like the manifestation of a storm or destruction. It sounded like something that I cringe when I hear. It sounded like something that I'm not sure that I want to be around. It sounded like something that I want to make sure my kids are on the inside because I can't necessarily discern what's happening. Is it going to rain? Is it going to storm? Or is there going to be hail? It sounded like the manifestation of a storm because that's what they were listening for. They were listening for something that would so shift in the physical that the oppression of Rome would be taken care of. If we're not careful, the desire for temporary freedom and reprieve can move us into double-mindedness. If we are not careful, the desire for temporary reprieve, are you with me? For temporary things will move us into double-mindedness. What are you saying? Every time the people of God got before Jesus, they wanted to know, are you going to fix what I can see right here in front of my face? Are you going to fix the things that are affecting my physical family and body right this moment? Is that what you're going to fix? And Jesus said, if you'll seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be added to you. What he was trying to say is if you get this heart thing right and you begin to see me correctly, then all of the physical things that you're dealing with, not it's not that they're not going to be there or they're going to wait, but you're going to see them differently because your heart is different and you're not going to be looking for temporary relief when I have the ability to bring eternal relief. But our scars produce belief systems. And if we're not careful, the pursuit of temporary relief to avoid scars has the ability to move me into double-mindedness. What does that look like? I believe that he can, but I'm just not sure he will. I know that he can save, but I'm not sure he really wants to heal me anymore. I I, I know that he restored other families, but I'm not sure that he can actually do that in my family. I'm not sure if if it's possible because what I need is relief from what I'm feeling every single day, the pain, the hurt that I'm having to navigate every day. I just need you to take that. And if you take that, then I'm going to be fine. The issue is what we're really saying is I'm going to be fine until I get to the next thing. And then I'm going to deal with the same thing again. And I'm going to need temporary relief. And what he's saying is I want to do something that's so real and so eternal that every time you face a circumstance, you never look at it outside of hope. You never look at it outside of hope. You never look at it from the place as if Jesus were not with you. What I'm about to tell you is the crux of everything that I want to say today. This is what I feel like the Lord spoke to my heart specifically for you today. They're waving palm branches one week. And they're asking for Barabbas and yelling crucify the next week. Here's what I want you to hear. Because they could not see Jesus correctly. The ebbs and flows of the culture of the day caused them to cry Hosanna one week and crucify the next. I want you to listen to that. The ebbs and flow of the culture and the religious system so impaired their ability to see the one who was lowly riding on a donkey correctly that they're yelling Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The one who saves And the very next week, they're yelling, crucify him and give us Barabbas. Give us the counterfeit. Give us the one. Give us the one that affects the temporary situation that I'm in right now. Give me the one. Give me the one that, that I, at least I saw him kill somebody in rebellion. Give, him, give me the one that, that, that represents temporary freedom from this Roman oppression. Give me the one that is fake. Give me the temporary relief. Because they could not see Jesus correctly, the ebbs and flows of the culture of the day 
cause them to cry. Hosanna one week and then crucify the very next week. I would never do that. I would never do that. Do you know that the book of Hebrews says this? It's, it's a very troubling scripture, but it says this. It says that, that when I have believed and followed Jesus, and then I turn away and don't believe him, I actually crucify him again openly. That's a pretty tough scripture. But it's not nearly as tough as the one I'm going to tell you. Perhaps the saddest scripture, one of the saddest scriptures that I've ever read in the Bible. And there's, there's some that, that literally break my heart. But this is one of the saddest scriptures that I've ever read because they couldn't see Jesus correctly. And it's Matthew 27, 25. When Pilate says, I find no wrong in him. And I wash my hands of this. What do you want me to do? And they say, in Matthew 27, 25, crucify him. Let his blood be on our hands and our children's also. Let his blood be on our hands and another generation's hands. They couldn't see who he was and they were willing, they were willing to pass that to their children. My perception of Jesus and his involvement in my life and the culture around me not only affects me, but the generation to come. Do you understand that? Do you understand that their inability to see Jesus correctly so clouded them that they were willing to say, put his blood on my hands and my children's also. Because the scars created a belief system. We've been in oppression and there's a king coming. Surely he's going to free us. And they missed the actual freedom that was available because of the belief systems that were in their life. Huh. Here's what I want to say, and I'm done. We owe the generations to come and encounter with the real Jesus. Come on, did you hear me? We owe the generations to come and encounter with the real Jesus. I want my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren to know the real Jesus and not be moved by the ebbs and flows of culture that cause me to see Jesus one way on one day and another way on the next day. I don't even have grandchildren, and I'm prepping, I'm, I'm preparing for the stories that they get to learn about what we did and who we are. I'm so grateful I have in my heritage I can reach back four generations I can reach back four generations and remember when my great grandfather is working in the field and his dad comes with a rock to threaten to kill him because he had been baptized in the Holy Ghost and told him you better deny the Holy Ghost or I'm going to kill you today in this field and somehow he backed down because my great grandfather would not deny the fact that he had encountered the real power of the Holy Spirit I, I, I have moments in my history where I can go back and create belief systems when my grandfather tells me I went and prayed for a lady who swallowed a safety pin and gangrene had set up in her body and no one could help her on Sand Mountain of course in Alabama nobody could get to her but we went and prayed and it dissolved and she was healed immediately I want there to be stories that so root generations to come in what is truth that they're not moved 
by the ebbs and flows of culture that causes them to see Jesus incorrectly. We owe future generations an encounter with the real Jesus. We owe the generations to come relationship with the real Jesus and not counterfeit temporary relief. I want them to know that it's not just to help you through this day, but it's to sustain you and prepare you for what is coming. It's to sustain you and prepare you for revival and awakening that never ends. I want them to be so rooted in what truth is that temporary relief is not what they're looking for because they know that they have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. They know that they that Jesus will never leave them nor forsake them, but for eternity he will go with them. We owe it to them. Guys, we owe it to them. We owe them a real prayer life. We owe them a real devotional life. We owe them testimonies of healing. We owe them testimonies of marriages being restored. We owe them testimonies of the kingdom being established. We owe it to future generations. And we owe generations to come fruit that is a result of maturity. We owe it to them. We owe them fruit that they can climb up in the tree of our life and see at the top where we have been rooted with a correct structure in the things of God, that they can climb up and they can experience fruit that we paid the price for. Here's what I'm saying. What am I saying? I'm going to tell you. I don't know why I said that, but I got really excited. Here's what I'm saying. What am I saying? None of us in here know what I'm saying, including me. I've totally lost my train of thought in Jesus' name. I got it. It's back. Thank you, Jesus. Here's what I think I'm saying. I don't want... Trenton Cameron, Haley Brady, Hannah Audrey, Josiah, Lincoln Lexington, Micaiah, Ellie, JL, Esther, Sammy, all of the kids. I'm sure I missed somebody. Carson, Cameron, all the offspring in the whole world. Are you with me? I don't want them to have to go through the same things that I went through in order to become mature and produce fruit. I don't want that. I don't want that. That doesn't show good parenting because they can do the same thing that I can do. It doesn't show good parenting because they can achieve the same thing that you can do. Do you know what shows good parenting and leadership? It's when they climb up in that tree and they're able to eat a fruit that they didn't even sow seed for. But but past generations sowed seed into that and then they're able to go higher than what we were ever able to do. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for for Misael and Isaac. It's what I'm looking for for Noah, for Ezra. It's what I'm looking for for future generations to realize... I don't have to stop and I don't have to actually go through the same path. Come on, somebody. Your testimony is an indicator that your kids don't have to live the same hell that you live to get to where you were, but that there is hope and Jesus is the redemptive purpose in your story and now it looks different for them. And we owe them fruit that comes from maturity. Listen, we owe them Maturity that allows them to be led by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit. We owe it to them. We owe them maturity that allows them to be moved by the gentle impulses of the Holy Spirit so they don't have to be shouted out by Holy Ghost. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we owe them the truth that the scars that they do have don't create belief systems of failure but it creates a belief system of redemption where redemption has been in every step of my story when I failed it was there 
when I missed the mark, it was there. When I didn't believe who I was, he was there. When I didn't know my identity, he was there. When I thought that my gift meant everything, he was there to help me realize that my gift didn't amount to anything other than my relationship with him. When I went through everything that I went through, I'm able to say, but Jesus was right there with me. I'm able to say that the enemy tried to take me out, but God. I'm able to say that the enemy tried to to manipulate and misrepresent who I was. He he, he tried to, to, to maneuver into my life and pull me out of what the Holy Spirit had for me and the destiny that he had for me. And every step of the way is marked by the redemption of Jesus Christ and what he paid for, for me to be in correct identity with him. We owe that to future generations. We, we owe them encounters with the real Jesus and not the religion that we have been in bondage to. I think I've probably said it enough now. Maybe you understand what I'm trying to say. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) I have never, that I can remember, experienced the Holy Spirit giving me a word of knowledge with someone's name on the spot, just like that. But Trenton and Brady have both experienced that already. I've never ministered on another continent. But Cameron has already experienced that. I never knew as long as I've been in ministry and, and I've been involved in, in, in worship, music, and on that scene for basically all of my life, but really heavy for about 25 years. Actually, longer than that. I never knew the real power of intercessory worship, standing in the gap, worshiping in intercession, until just a few years ago. On 1725 Research Drive, and I looked up, and my 15 or 16-year-old daughter was standing there, worshiping, and the Lord said, that is intercession that I can't get away from. We owe them truth. doesn't mean that we hide what we went through. What it means is we reevaluate the belief systems that our scars have produced. We reevaluate the belief systems that were produced from the pain that we had to navigate and realize that we were never outside of redemption. It's real, pain is real, hurt is real. Scars are real. Life is real. But so is Jesus. And there's a reason that you're still here. And there's a reason that you're still together. And there's a reason that you have fruit of your relationship. And we owe them encounters with the real Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you today. We honor you.
God, I'm asking today for grace, the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit that allows me to not be moved by the ebb and flow of culture that would cause me to see you incorrectly. May I live my life knowing that you are good. May I live my life knowing that because you're good, I am significant. May I live knowing that your blood paid for everything. And may I live and teach generations to come that because of that, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. So today we worship you. We're not going to cut the leaves off of the tree so we can wave it at you to show you that at one time we produced fruit. But we say, may we be rooted in home. May we be rooted in the Holy Spirit so that the maturity that we live produces fruit for future generations. Thank you, Jesus. Just right where you are, if you say, I've got some scars and I need some new belief systems around those scars, I'm gonna ask you to be super brave and just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what I want you to do. I believe the sweetness and the tenderness of the Holy Spirit is about to encounter you. I believe that. So I want you to just put your hands out like this, like you're ready to receive a big gift. If you raised your hand, just put your hands out like this, like you're ready to receive a big gift. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would release healing from wounds, healing from scars that have created belief systems that are incorrect, healing from trauma, healing from the lies of the enemy, healing in Jesus' name. God, I ask that you would release the gift of joy in this room right now. I ask that you'd release that. I heard this yesterday and it's so true. Joy is one third of the kingdom. And so I just release that in this room. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So I just release joy in this room in Jesus' name. To feel, to fill, F-I-L-L, to fill every crack. Joy to fill every crack and every wound and every scar that is there. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that the voice of the Father would be so clear and that we would understand that if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father and that there is no shadow of turning in him and that there is goodness and there is peace and there is joy and there is righteousness that is available. God, I'm asking right now for the power of the Holy Spirit to sweep through this room and to create new belief systems in Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I feel that. I feel that. I feel it right now. He's doing work. He's doing work right now. He's healing father wounds right now in Jesus' name. He's healing father wounds right now in Jesus' name. Wounds, wounds that were the result of hurt or the lack of a father being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Traumatic experiences in relationships are being healed right now, right now. Memories that are there of, of perceived failure are being healed right now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, healing.
restoration. Yeah, yeah. And I declare over you that your perceived deficiency, your perceived issue, your perceived scar that kept you from leaning into the Father, I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. And I, I declare over you that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was in Christ reconciling you to himself. In Jesus' name. Healing and joy. Healing and joy. Healing and joy. Healing and joy. I pray that, that, that your face gets so tired of smiling this week that you have to exercise your face to smile. We say yes. Yeah. If you don't know what that kind of smiling looks like, I want you to get around Eric Rodas. He lights up a room when he walks in because of the smile that's on his face. Eric, I believe the Lord is going to begin to heal some things in your heart and in your mind today. Chris, will you just put your hand on him? I believe the Lord is healing some misconceptions, some preconceived notions right now. He's healing you. He's healing you right now in Jesus' name. And I would say he's the bread of life. My friend Sammy would say he's the tostones of life. Eric, he's exactly what you need. He's healing right now. I believe he's healing every wound. I break the lie. I break the lie that you don't have what it takes. I break every negative word that's been spoken over you. And as a father in this house, I say I'm proud of you. And you are a beloved son in Jesus' name. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Belief systems being shifted. Not being moved by the ebbs and flows of corrupt culture. But seeing him rightly. What does that look like? Here's what, here's what I love about seeing Jesus rightly right now. Even though we talked about Palm Sunday, he's not on a donkey any longer. He's not on the cross. He's not in the tomb, but he is sitting at the right hand of the father and he's got eyes that look like blazing fire and hair that is white as wool and feet like brass and in righteousness, he comes and makes war and he has a name that is on his chest that says faithful and true. And that's the one that we're looking at today. That's the one we're looking at today. May you have grace to see him rightly as the one. All right. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast from Awakening Church. You can find us online at awakeningky.com.